As his mind descended into darkness, the warning signs were there, yet no one seemed to take notice until it was too late. Randy Stairs, a YouTuber who openly shared his bizarre and unsettling world with his audience, was on a path that would ultimately lead to fatal consequences. Today's case is an unusual one, but one that has been heavily requested. It is a tragic and preventable story that I feel compelled to share. Randy Steers' descent into madness is a cautionary tale of the dangers of unchecked mental illness and the importance of recognizing warning signs. Who was Randy Steers? What were the delusions that plagued him until his death? And how is it that no one saw the signs? These are the questions we will be exploring as we delve into this disturbing case. Join us as we unravel the twisted mind of Randy Stairs and try to understand the events that led to his tragic end. Take a deep breath, everyone, and walk with me through the dark. You've arrived in Pennsylvania, which is famous for its beautiful landscapes, chocolate, and, of course, the cheesesteaks served in Philly. In this state, which has the sixth highest population of any in the United States, there is a wide variety of opportunities to indulge oneself. It is home to more than 13 million people, and the Steers family accounts for four of those inhabitants. The 17th of September, 1992 was the day that Randy Steers was born. After some time passed, he was promoted to the role of older brother of Jeremy, who was born on September 11, 1994. Robert and Lorianne, his parents, were your typical middle-class American married couple who devoted their attention to the upbringing of their two young sons. And for the most part, while they were younger, things did go according to plan. On the other hand, it was stated that Randy was a very timid child when he was growing up. He was one of the many students who, at school, did not enjoy being the focus of attention and would frequently avoid eye contact while being spoken to. But perhaps most distinctively, he would always want to be by himself and, even as a toddler, he gave the impression of being bewildered and lacking complete comprehension. Randy was a huge admirer of the cartoon series that were broadcast on Nickelodeon, and he frequently drew sketches of characters like Tummy Turner and Danny Fenton in his school books. When he was a kid, he frequently fantasized that he was a cartoon character, too. However, except from a fractured collarbone when he was in the first grade, Randy's upbringing wasn't particularly exciting. His shyness, on the other hand, was something that followed him into adulthood as well. Although he did have some acquaintances, he never went out on a date with anybody, and he despised cooperating with other students in class. And despite the fact that it was very clear that Randy suffered from a form of social anxiety, he was never really diagnosed with any kind of mental disorder, even though it was plain that he did. Randy started his YouTube account in June of 2008 and named it Pioneers Productions. Before he started this one, he really had a channel where he made amusing videos by splicing together scenes from movies. However, following a number of copyright infringements, it was removed off the website forever. On the other hand, the new Pioneers Productions channel would operate in a different manner. 
The first few episodes of Pioneer's productions consisted entirely of silly comedy skits, the kind of thing you'd anticipate from a typical lad of 15 years old. And as time went on, the channel underwent a transformation in which it restructured itself to place primary emphasis on three characters. Randy Stairs, Froggy, and Whale. One day as Randy was shopping at Wise Supermarket, he discovered Froggy hiding out in one of the shopping carts. As a result of the fact that it was filthy and reeked of cigarette smoke, Randy decided to take the figure home with him and clean him up before utilizing him in any comedic sketches. The character of Whale was portrayed as a sexually predatory individual who enjoyed hitting on Randy in a low whisper. For the next few years, he would continue to produce content that revolved on these two and himself. Randy obtained his first job at McDonald's in 2010, but he was miserable there and quickly quit. He lasted only three hours before walking out on his first duty. The anger of Randy's parents was palpable. At this point in time, Randy had turned 18 years old, and his parents expected him to contribute his fair share to the upkeep of the family home. Therefore, only a few short months later, Randy's dad found him a position at the nearby Wise supermarket, where he himself managed the store in his capacity as manager. To go back to the YouTube side of things, Randy became an official paid YouTube partner in the spring of 2011. This was back in 2011. His aspirations were given a boost when he realized he could make money off of his work, which he had been doing for some time. He wanted to be a filmmaker. In light of this information, he went out and purchased a brand new iMac for himself and then began collaborating with other content creators working in his field. In 2011, around at the same time period, Randy received his diploma from Dallas High School. Now that he has decided to, he will spend the next three years, up to 2014, studying at Luzerne County Community College. However, he did not give any thought to it at any point. Randy enjoyed a wide variety of cartoons over the years, and he also counted himself as a member of the My Little Pony fandom, commonly referred to as a brony. In addition to that, he possessed a number of posters from movies including Frozen, Inside Out, and The Beatles. He spent some time exploring YouTube, trying out a variety of other forms of video, such as gaming, and even attempting to create new channels, such as Pioneer's Anthology. However, Randy was not much affected by any of it. After that, he came upon Ember. Butch Hartman, the same person who developed the Fairly Odd Parents, is also the developer of the American animated television series Danny Phantom, which is broadcast on Nickelodeon. Danny Fenton, a teenage kid, is the protagonist of this series. After being involved in an accident involving an unexpected gateway between the human world and the ghost zone, Danny becomes a human-ghost hybrid and has the responsibility of rescuing the human race. Since it first aired on television in 2004, Danny Phantom has gained a devoted fan base thanks to its widespread popularity and positive reviews from television reviewers and viewers. Randy counted as one of those devoted followers.
and it is at this point that we get our first glimpse inside Randy Steers' bizarre and hallucinatory universe. Ember McLean, also known as Ember, was one of the characters who ended up being included in Danny Phantom. She was given the name Ember. Ember is a spectral rock star who used music as a form of oral warfare to captivate those who stand in her way. Even though she only featured in a few episodes, she is most well known for the alluring charm she exudes and her deep-seated hostility for those in positions of authority. After the official publication of the two soundtracks that had been prepared for the anime on YouTube, Randy developed an unhealthy obsession with both Amber and the music, which he listened to non-stop. The songs were made specifically for the film. And despite the fact that Amber was only a cartoon character, Randy said that she was his very first love interest. It would appear that she assisted him in overcoming numerous challenges that he had during his life. Even more, he stated the following about her in a video. I just kept gazing at her, and it's like she understood it. She had an understanding of me. I understood her. We had feelings for one other, and our relationship was much more than a basic connection between two people. It was a defining moment in my life. I found myself in a place that I could honestly say I had never been in before. The solace that Randy obtained from Amber was felt all the more strongly in the year 2013. In January, Randy's close body Mad was killed in a terrible vehicle accident, and not long after that, Randy also said goodbye to his grandfather. In addition to both of these unpleasant events, Randy's basement would flood, causing a significant amount of damage to his possessions. And not long after that, Randy himself would be involved in a vehicle accident, but fortunately for him, he would walk away from it with only minor injuries. Randy had seen a number of people pass away, which sparked his morbid interest about death and left him wondering what it was really like. He started doing in-depth analyses of his ideas of death and found that he was unable to avoid them. Finally, he even grew to like thinking about death. To return to Amber, it was a running joke among a lot of people, including Randy's real-life acquaintances, that Amber was actually Randy's made-up wife. But Randy has a different point of view on the matter. She had the position of queen in his eyes. However, Randy was not willing to only look on from a distance and admire Amber. He began to perceive her as a spiritual link and he came to believe that he had truly known Ember before he was born, as though his spirit had been present in an other dimension before merging with human flesh. Because of his connection with Ember, he was able to establish his very own parallel reality, one that would securely grab Randy and eventually alter the course that his life would take for the rest of his life. Ember's Ghost Squad, or EGS for short, was the name he gave to the fictional universe he created. It was a fan-made spin-off of Danny Phantom that maintained continuity with both the artwork and the overall plot. A group of ghosts, but this time they were the type that actively sought out and recruited those who were considering suicide. After spending a number of years working on Pioneer's productions and not making very much headway with it, 
he made the decision to stop working there and pursue his new passion, which was to develop and animate Ember's Ghost Squad. He did this by moving on. He would accomplish this by switching to a different YouTube channel. However, in order for him to do so, he would first have to close down Pioneer's Productions. During the year 2014, he worked on a YouTube series consisting of five episodes that was centered on the elimination of two of his other primary characters, Froggy and Whale. In order to do this, he severely stabbed them with a knife. However, while filming, Randy would accidentally lacerate his right pinky finger, an injury that would later force him to have three surgeries to repair. This suggests that the acting was perhaps a bit too genuine for Randy. Even after surgery, his finger would continue to be permanently twisted, but Randy considered this to be a positive outcome. It meant that he could now work night shifts at the local supermarkets, and as he had more free time on his hands, he was able to animate more. On January 12, 2015, Randy uploaded his final movie to Pioneer's Productions. This marked the end of his time working with the company. In this video, he presents a fictionalized version of himself in which he is playing Call of Duty when Ember suddenly materializes in front of him. The conversation centers on how the two of them are connected and how much of an influence she has had on his life. He then continues to figuratively burn the box, which is carrying Froggy and Whale, after taking the box outside with him. This marks the end of his previous life. After arriving home while still within the film, he then has a brief conversation with Ember before informing her that he is now prepared. After that, he acts as like he is going to kill himself by putting a pistol to his head and pulling the trigger. And now that his previous YouTube account was been closed down, he was free to concentrate on his newfound interest, which was creating episodes of Ember's Ghost Squad. In the future, he would refer to himself under the name Andrew Blaze as well. Randy Stare was his legally recognized birth name, although he detested that name. We will now be in January 2016, which is in advance of one year. Randy's life continued to go downward after he sent his final movie to Pioneer's Productions a year earlier, and he focused more and more on himself. He had more time to study animation now that the previous YouTube channel was closed, and he also had more time to get obsessed with Ember. He was also developing a more perverse mindset and a tense demeanor. In a new video that he labeled Abyss, he revealed his gloomy opinions about the world and challenged his audience to peer into the Abyss in order to discover who they truly are. He also offered his thoughts about the globe. At this time, it is quite evident that Randy had descended to a new level of irrational thinking, insanity, and rage. He explains that psychiatrists and scientists would never be able to comprehend him and that he was a unique individual. After that, he goes on to explain about a woman that he's been seeing and how she's been instrumental in guiding him in the right direction. And in case it wasn't already clear, the woman he is referring to here is Ember. He draws a conclusion on how his experiences over the last several years have been transforming him, and he says that he has now found out who he actually is. 
After Randy developed a morbid fascination with passing away, he began to see the hereafter as a wondrous paradise in which residents might fulfill their wildest ambitions. He was of the opinion that everyone is born with a soul contract that requires them to do something throughout their lifetime, and that they pass on after they have fulfilled that obligation. And it was just the strain of thought that led Randy to believe that he was destined to pass away so that he might spend eternity beside Ember. Randy felt that E.G.S. was genuine and that after his death, he would revive as a female spirit to join them. Despite the fact that he was the one who had invented E.G.S., he held this belief. Despite the fact that Ember's Ghost Squad was never truly successful in gaining popularity outside Randy's immediate area of influence, he persevered in the development of his parallel world. He went so far as to carry out his dreams in real life by creating Twitter identities for the eight primary EGS characters he invented and having all of them engage in regular conversation with one another. When in fact, Randy was the one who was behind everything and pulling all the strings. Randy had poured many hours on his EGS animations over the course of several years, and he had completed practically the whole project on his own. This does not include the instances in which he paid voice actors several hundred dollars to cover some of the female character voices that he had really generated himself. There will not only be one animated episode of Ember's Ghost Squad, but several ones. And despite the fact that he had a strong desire to communicate his work to a wider audience, nobody was truly interested in what it was that he was doing. In point of fact, he had even alarmed a few of his followers on account of the excessive bloodshed and macabre subject matter that were prevalent throughout his shows. Nobody ever really reported his increasingly disturbing behavior to the authorities, which is also something that never happened. When Randy was asked by other people why he was acting in such a violent manner, he would just respond by saying, this is me just acting. And no one had any idea that things were about to grow far worse, despite the fact that Randy Steers' world was already twisted and full of delusions. No one knew this. So, let me lay out the situation for you. I've got a quarter from the year 1983 right here. You believe in fate. Here is the mock examination. I'm going to give this a toss three times, or rather, I'm going to choose the best outcome out of the three, and if it comes up heads, I'll proceed with this. If heads, then we'll go to the grocery store. In April of 2017, Randy challenged himself in front of the camera by filming himself. At this point, he had already made up his mind that he wanted to pass away, but it was unclear how he intended to do it. As a result, he made the decision to toss a coin in order to find out if the situation would require him to complete it on his own or bring other people down with him. It was best out of three. And because there were two heads and two tails, the outcome would be determined by the third and final flip of the coin. That's all she wrote, guys. The outcome was tails, which indicates that in addition to my own life, another person's is going to be taken. At the time that this tape was being made, 
Randy already owned a Mossberg 500 shotgun that he had either purchased for himself or, more accurately, being given by his mother. Randy gave the shotgun the name Rachel, after one of his EGS characters. And now, with the coin being some sort of predetermined outcome, he made the decision to purchase a second shotgun of the same type for himself. Mackenzie was the name he chose to give it this time, after yet another character from EGS. The identical Mossberg 500 shotgun that was used in the Columbine massacres was also used in the shootings at Virginia Tech. Those of you who are knowledgeable about firearms are aware of this fact. And just in case it isn't clear from what I've said, yes, Randy did develop an unhealthy fixation with both of the killers at Columbine. In addition to this, he expressed his annoyance with the outside world and the routine pressures of everyday living. In the end, he even resorted to making statements that were homophobic and racial. He was convinced that the two murderers had been mistreated and even began to feel sorry for them as a result of his beliefs. And this twist of fate solidified his determination to go the same road as they did. From this point on, Randy's plans and the sinister trail of evidence he would leave behind him would quickly expand over the course of time. On the shooting range, he posted many videos of himself firing his weapon at bottles of water. He kept written journals in which he detailed his views and plans towards extremism. He went so far as to make natural selection t-shirts, which were an imitation of the garment that Eric, one of the murderers at Columbine, wore. In addition, the clues that covered a larger scope and were more oblique had been there for some months. This piece of self-created artwork was uploaded to the online art displaying site known as DeviantArt by the author in April of 2017. In addition to that, he viewed a great deal of films about serial murderers and talked about them on various internet forums and he was quite upfront about his desire to view the complete version of the Columbine basement tapes, which are a diary of personal thoughts and attack plans that were recorded by the shooters. And as each day passed and each new piece of evidence presented itself, his deluded intentions to assault his own shop became more concrete. Randy also prepared a massive digital folder consisting of suicide tapes, which he saved on media fire. In these tapes, he opened up about his animosity for the world and different sections of it, and he described his plans to end his life. In somewhat less than two weeks, more than 10 hours of video were captured on camera. To recap everything for you, the primary topics that he spoke were his melancholy, his rage, and his intentions to assault the supermarket, as well as of course Amber and his animation. Randy creates a video on the 1st of June, 2017, in which he rants about how much he despises his father and then goes on to talk about how much he despises the fact that he has to work in order to get money. And all that he seemed to care about was, like, me having a full-time job and making money and then trying to move out of the dang home and start my own life and all this stuff, which I knew I never, I was never going to accomplish and he didn't seem to care about any of it. Because I was still working there on a part-time basis, I don't see why this was such a huge issue. 
I was still making money. I was still making money. I was making money off of thing. I wasn't simply lounging around doing nothing. I was actually rather busy. I worked at the Fink store on a part-time basis, but it felt like I was there all the time. You darn it. You made it sound as though I was wasting my life away by not doing anything productive with it. After a while, the only thing that kept running through my head was girls after girls after girls after girls. I just couldn't get the thought of females out of my head. And the entirety of the cartoon channel is dedicated to girls dead girls, to be specific. And inside the squad, there are individuals who were boys on earth, but who transform into ladies when they join the ghost squad, which is where I'm headed. But it's all gals. On June 3rd, Randy filmed his farewell spoken video, which he titled Goodbye Her. Randy passed away on June 4th. This was going to be the final time that he addressed the camera head-on. It makes you think about something, doesn't it? What came to pass? Who in their right mind would have believed that anything like this would be brought on by a cartoon character? That's right, it is. Amber deserves all the credit for this. Amber was the catalyst for all the changes. It is everything connected to her in some way. She is not only a fictional character. Let me inform you. I'm gonna be dead before next weekend. I'll be dead, genuinely dead. I am grateful to you for staying up so late. I want to express my gratitude for all of the live feeds. Thank you so much for all of your support and for all of your input, regardless of whether it was positive or negative. And I really do hope that we were able to turn things around for you. To add insult to injury, I'll never be able to count the number of people whose lives I've altered or, more accurately, helped alter. I'll never have any idea. I won't. Okay, this is going to be the final message from Anne Rublais, signing off forever. I'll be seeing several of you in the near future. Anne Rue, you're out. Randy then took a recorded video of the supermarket the night before the attack he had planned in order to examine the store's entry and escape location. The aisles were tidy, the boxes were put away, and the food items were arranged in an orderly fashion on the shelves. It was far past midnight, and the retail establishment was eerily silent. However, that peace and quiet wouldn't endure for very long. On the evening of the 7th of June in 2017, roughly 11 o'clock in the evening, Randy came to Wise Supermarket to begin his night shift there. He drove around the back of the business to the employee parking lot and parked his car in front of the emergency exit there. After that, he went on with his tasks, which included cleaning and restocking the store shelves. At 11.19 p.m., Randy submitted to YouTube what would turn out to be the final animated video he created. It was a 42-minute EGS animation that he had developed, and it showed his characters and himself invading Westford High School. The movie had been chopped in half. He even tried to get assistance from a number of animators and voice actors, but all of his pleas were either turned down or went unacknowledged because of the graphic nature of his work. Randy was livid when he found out he would have to work on the project by himself.
and because he had virtually lost all drive to live, he did not finish the animation, instead leaving numerous sequences as drawings. Randy was unhappy about having to work on the project by himself. At 12.10 o'clock in the morning, he tweeted links to a number of files and videos that provided specifics of his planning and suicide notes. After that, Randy made sure to cover his tracks by placing wooden pallets in front of the store's remaining exits and locking the automated doors leading into the establishment's front entrance. After that, he armed himself with two shotguns while wearing a shirt that said it's our time to rise on the front of the front of the shirt. After that, Randy went around the shop killing three of his co-workers, all of whom were unfortunately murdered in the process. After that, he went over to talk to Christian Newell, who was the fourth and last co-worker. She had her headphones on and was listening to music, so she was completely oblivious to the development of the horrific events around her. According to footage from a CCTV camera that has not been made public, Randy was seen standing behind her for five seconds before he turned around, spared her life, and walked to the next aisle. After that, he proceeded to shoot products all throughout the retail establishment. After hearing the gunshots, Kristen eventually removed her headphones and became aware of what was taking place in the room. She made the decision to make a break for it and dashed to the staff room so that she could make a 911 call. Unfortunately, on the way there, she would discover her co-workers lying dead on the ground. It was certain that she would reach the staff room and place a call to the police. It was irrelevant, though, because during that period of time, Randy had gone to the deli part of the supermarket, sat down there, put the shotgun in his mouth, and shot himself to death. The police would come just a few minutes later, and upon their arrival, they would find the dead of Randy and his three victims inside the shop. The police station is located only down the road from the supermarket. At the time, Victoria Todd Braun was working at the shop as an assistant tag manager. She was a graduate of Tonkinick High School, had reached the age of 25, was renowned for being a compassionate and loving individual, and she had a passion for assisting others. She has a small boy, her partner, and her family that she is leaving behind. Brian Hayes, who was 47 years old at the time, had served in the United States Navy. When Randy attacked, he was the night shift supervisor at the grocery store where he worked when it happened. He was a devoted husband, son, and father who would sacrifice anything for his family. He would do anything for his family. And in addition to that, 63-year-old Terry Lee Sterling was found deceased who was also working at the night shop on that particular night. His legacy includes a son, a brother, and two grandkids. He was hailed as a wonderful, all-around regular man. He passed away recently. During the subsequent weeks, those who were close to the victims and their families, along with the citizens of Eaton Township, would all endure a tremendous deal of suffering. They wouldn't be back to normal for quite some time. But in less than a month after the fire, the Y supermarket was back in business after being fully reconstructed owing to the dogged determination of the community. And it wasn't long before everyone found out that, just a few minutes before the assault, 
Randy had really sent an email to ten of his closest pals, informing them of his plans. He informed everyone that by the time they would finish reading that email, he would already be gone from this world. He then discusses the possibility of reuniting with Amber and the daughters in the hereafter after expressing his disappointment that he was unable to live up to his own personal achievements. And despite the fact that Randy fully anticipated his assault to be recorded in the annals of history, the incident did not receive a significant amount of coverage in the mainstream media. In point of fact, it did not even come close to making any front pages or headlines at all. In the aftermath of the assault, one of Randy's close friends, Damien, took to Twitter to share the following. In 2011, there was a fan of mine who eventually ended up becoming my body. Through my use of Xbox Lit, I invited him to join a small circle of my friends. I could tell that all he truly wanted was some pals to hang out with and play with. In the end, we were able to become close and spend several years laughing together over various games. After I relocated, we gradually drifted more apart from one another. I received a lengthy suicide note from him last night, and today I learned that he had gone and opened fire in a grocery store where he had worked and had killed three of his co-workers before turning the pistol on himself. I have no idea how to process this information. Although the hints were already widely dispersed around the internet, I did not anticipate his going to such extraordinary lengths. Mental disease is a significant problem in today's society. Get help as soon as possible if you or anybody you know is going through tough times or if you find that you are going through tough times yourself. I beg you not to do harm, both to yourself and to others. It's heartbreaking and revolting all at the same time. And this, in a significant way, establishes the tone of my concluding statement about this matter. Despite the fact that Randy was schizophrenic and appeared to have been detached from reality for an extended period of time, there is no doubt that he was aware of what he was doing. Despite the fact that he felt that in the end he would be joining the cartoon world that he had constructed for himself in the hereafter, he was aware of the significant repercussions that his actions would have on themselves. The fact that he spent weeks plotting and planning the deaths of his victims while simultaneously explaining his choices through his video diaries demonstrates an extreme lack of empathy for other people. Randy was delusional, paranoid, egotistical, indifferent, and juvenile. Nonetheless, the most important thing was that he required assistance. Help that was never addressed, and in the end, the family and friends of his three victims would be the ones who would have to pay the price for it. Killings of three co-workers, Victoria Braun, Brian Hayes, and Terry Sterling, who had never hurt Randy and for no apparent reason were carried out. A single toss of a coin decided each of their destinies. Even more unsettling is the abundance of early hints that were provided, all of which pointed in the direction of Randy's conduct. Not only did he send out a number of threatening tweets in the weeks preceding up to his assault, but there were also other indicators. 
There were many more possibilities to notice an increasingly disturbed person, which leads me to argue that if you ever encounter these disturbing indications in someone else, you shouldn't dismiss them. There were many more opportunities to spot an increasingly troubled individual. In circumstances such as this one, it is important to exercise extreme caution and report any suspicious behavior to the appropriate authorities or to a mental health crisis line. Doing so might make the difference between saving one life and saving numerous lives. I'm going to have to close this case here and now, guys. This one was pretty weighty, and there was a lot of material to go through, but because it was one of the most often requested topics, here it is. If it's at all feasible, I think the next case I make should be one that's less complicated and has a bit more humor in it. I'll have to keep looking. If you are still here or if you found the case intriguing, I would appreciate it if you could like it. Also, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to our channel right away. Goodbye.